fight And we don't have to kill Everybody in the whole wide world Really just needs to chill No, we don't have to fuss No, no, no We don't have to fight Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Just Chill with Oliver George. This is episode 75, and my guest this time around is a very talented actor, producer, host. These are just a few of the many hats she wears in the entertainment industry. And she also just so happens to be the daughter of an absolute Hollywood legend. Before we get into it, though, I do want to remind you, if you're watching on YouTube right now and you would prefer audio only for whatever reason, you can get that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and other places like that. If you're listening to my voice on one of those platforms right now, though, and you didn't even realize that there was a visual side to this whole thing, then I'd encourage you to please come check it out here on YouTube. When you get here, if you would consider hitting that subscribe button, you don't have to, but uh, it really would mean a lot to me. I have had such a blast making this show, but the best part is connecting with new listeners. So if you're just jumping in now or you've been supporting me for a while, thank you so much. It really means the world to me. If you'd like to reach out to me, maybe you've got a cool guest idea or some general feedback about the show, you can hit me up at justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. While you're writing to me, let me know if you have any interest in one of these holofoil stickers with the, the logo from our show, and I'll mail it to you free of charge. Back to this episode's guest. This is another example of uh, the moments that I love Zoom being able to have a great conversation with somebody that's very geographically far away. Uh, I had the chance, the absolute pleasure to speak with Jennifer Candy, the daughter of the late, great John Candy. And we had such a great chat. She was so down to earth and really made me feel like I was just catching up with an old friend. I got to ask her all about her show, Couch Candy, which is a live, sort of like a podcast interview style show. And I, I got to ask her about her approach as a host and an interviewer, which was really interesting for me personally. But uh, beyond that, we talked about both having pandemic puppies and of course she indulged me and let me uh, ask her a bunch of questions about her amazing father. So I, I can't wait for you to hear this. And uh, thank you so much for checking it out. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. Well, let me make sure I've got. Hold on. Um, yeah, go I can now hear you. Okay, perfect. I just perfect. there was delay for a second. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. Of course. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait. I, I've been looking forward to this all week. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, obviously, I've been following you on social media for a while. You seem like a wonderful person, but now I've been digging into Couch Candy and really enjoying that. Oh, good. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad. So honestly, if it's OK with you, that's where I wanted to start off just because yeah, go for as it. a fellow um, host interviewer, it's an interesting angle to me. And you're, yeah. you're a natural. You seem like you're always having a blast up there and super empathetic with the guests and all that. Um, so I wanted to know, though, with that in mind, what you have found the most challenging from an interviewing standpoint in the past. Oh, man. Um the most challenging a sometimes getting guests has been challenging because their schedule um, and scheduling is, is, is hard. So that's like the people that I really want to get um, are like, well, these oh, are busy wait. people. Yeah. The people you've had on are quite a uh, huge I names. Know, like I've been trying to get Catherine O'Hara on for the longest time. And she's just super busy. Cause it was right when Shit's Creek was like hitting its peak. And yeah. I was like, Oh man. Um, so scheduling. And then I think it's also, I, I be honest, I still get nervous. I get nervous during the interviews because I'm afraid I'm going to forget stuff. Like all the information I've prepped it, but like my, my Same here. <laughs> Same here. I have notes. I forget to look at my notes. I'm afraid I'm going to mispronounce people's names or just like things like that. I just am like, am I going to retain everything? And after a show, like my, um, my co-producer, Holly Wartell, she'd always like, oh, that was great. And I was like, I don't literally remember anything that has come out of my mouth. Like, I just know I did it. It's like a fugue <laughs> state sort of. Yeah, it really is. Um, and I've had that with stand up as well. Oh, yeah. I've done stand up briefly first. And that that terrifies me as well. But that's why I like doing stories um, via stand up. Not so much like your traditional stand up, because I can tell a story. But then anything else, I, I'm going to put the punchline first and back, mm. you know, vice versa and all that. Um, but I think it's also making sure someone's comfortable. Like I, that's for me is key. If I can sense that they're uncomfortable, I'm like, okay, how do I, how do I switch this around? How do I make them feel comfortable? Because a lot of people will talk to you in a more relaxed setting. That's why I do the, like, what's your favorite candy at the beginning. It's like yeah. a traditional like icebreaker. Um, and you know, it's like my husband and I, in the beginning, he's like, yeah, you should ask what their favorite candy is and then get them comfortable. And I was like, that's great. And I just always wanted it to be like, 
comfortable, like sitting on a couch. And I remember going through early stages of like the show and we had some people being like, how, why on a couch? Can it be on two chairs? And I'm like, well, no, I don't, I really don't want it to be on two chairs because it's called couch candy. And I'm being literal with that. Yeah. First of all, um, that's the main point, but it's, it's, it's all I get what you're saying. It's very business feel if it's just too, you know, I, fold out yeah, chairs I, or something. And I get, I get that whole, it's like, can still be comfortable and it's casual, but I'm like, everyone does that. Everyone does some kind of like interview like that. And I wanted, I wanted to do something different. And, and for the most part, I felt like it worked in the beginning, the couch that I did have was like very tiny. So it was like Love seat. really nice to next to your guests. And yeah. then we, we expanded and, you know, for personal people with personal space issues. Well, like COVID and all that. No, well now COVID we're, yeah. I, I did the COVID interview that I did do with is with my brother-in-law, Chris Sullivan. We were outside in their, his backyard. Cause I was like, okay, well, we're not going to go inside. And you know, it's, that was, that's what we did. So it's with now it's got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I know. Right. Um, well, I wanted to ask the status of the show because I know the more recent ones are about a year ago. So is it just on like hiatus now? It's or? on hiatus right now um, because of COVID it's on hiatus. And also because I had a, I had, uh, we had a son, so he's three and a half now. So it was just, my priorities shifted just a little bit. Um, I saw a pandemic puppy as well, which we we're guilty yes, of in this house pandemic. too. Did you get a pandemic puppy? We did. And we're yeah. still dealing with how insane she is, but yeah, yeah, I love our puppy, but it was definitely um, we had waited till like what last year was was when we got it. So it was towards the, you know, end halfway of, through, at least halfway yeah. through the pandemic. We didn't get a pandemic. We stood up at the time in the beginning. Flick was six. Teen years old so we had an old puppy so it was just oh, okay. like so yeah, we were dealing old. with the old puppy when he passed he passed away in 2020 so that was hard so we were like can we gotta wait a little bit before we we get another little puppy um so we had a we had a lot on our hands and then we couldn't go anywhere so i was just like so what i worked on was getting all of the couch candy episodes uh via podcast and just you know mm. i had a friend of mine in chicago and he was um, digitizing everything for me and uploading them for me. So I was kind of during the pandemic, I was like, okay, re-releasing yeah. episodes again. So an archive. Yeah, yeah. archival them. And I, and I want, I'm going to continue to do something with it. It's just, I got to figure out what per se and where um, and how. <laughs> Well, I want to say from the standpoint of someone who also does something similar that I find it's really ballsy to do the live podcast too, because sort of anything can happen, you know? I know those are, those are, those are also terrifying because there's live audience too is on a whole other level, you know? I know. Cause you've got audience participation, you know, whether you like it or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not really up to <laughs> well, you. For the most part, my shows have been, they, it's, it's been fine other than my mother in the background, you know, answering questions for us. <laughs> if someone can't remember my mom will pipe up and she was like, Oh, it was this, this, and this. I was like, okay, thank you. That's convenient. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, do you have any besides Catherine O'Hara, any other guests that are sort of on your short list of people? Uh, well, on? Catherine O'Hara, Dan Aykroyd uh, was another one with scheduling issues. Um, that I, I awesome. want to get on there. Um, and then I would love to kind of, you know, expand and go outside of second city, which I kind of started doing, um, with Jerry O'Connell, who wasn't second city, but it was someone that I loved, you know, that I worked with in the past. And he was just, he's such a character. Um, so honestly, any anyone that would want to be on the show or talk, I'm like more I would love I would love to do it. I just kind of like want to have a plethora of of audience. Um, well, because you sort of from what I gathered, the concept was like visiting people that spent a lot of time with your dad and learning yeah. stories about him and your comedy aunts and uncles, as you said. Right. Exactly. And so I, I feel like. Um, I got a lot, I've got a lot of those now, but then I, there's so many stories of people who didn't directly know my dad, but knew my dad's work or knew someone that was worked with my, um, or were influenced by him. Yeah. In so it was yeah. like, you know, Amy Madigan, who I was, is another person I would love to, you know, talked with was cause I love, I love her. And, um, cause she was Shanice, not yeah. Shanice Kabalowski and uncle Buck. Oh, so, okay. You know, she, right it's great. So there's people like that. He, she's married to Ed Harris. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Cool. Well, there you go. There's a little Hollywood insider information. Well, <laughs> I guess it's public knowledge, but I didn't know it. <laughs> well, no, some people don't. And so it's just, it's like things like that, that I would love to. So yeah. I'm going to, it's, it's, it's still a work in the progress. I'm just kind of, you know, baby steps trying to figure out how to get back into it right now. 
Well, I'm sure you found, uh, I know I have, even with everyone has a pod, everyone and their grandma has a podcast now, but I don't care because I love doing it so much. You know, I love having these conversations, even zoom, uh, talking to people across, you know, continents. It's there's so many cool things to be learned and shared experiences that to me, it would not matter at all. As long as I get to have the combos. Exactly. And I think it's, it doesn't really matter. It's who your audience is. And as long as you're entertaining your audience, that's all that matters. Like, I don't care about the people who aren't interested in it or don't care about the show or like, or whatever. It's like, to be honest, you're not my audience. Like that's totally fine. You're free to your opinion. So I like doing the show for the X, Y, and Z reasons and for these people. And so as long as they're those, those people are happy. I'm happy. Well, and even the process I find to be super therapeutic, just in the sense that we're in a society now where people are so on their phones all the time that just sitting down and having like a face-to-face or virtual, whatever conversation where it's just like, let's put this aside. Let's just talk. It's super refreshing. And I'm like, wow, this is how it used to be like all the time before the internet. And I know know, conversation, just having a conversation, conversation, which is great. Um, I want to ask you that I'm going to flip your question that you asked the guests about a favorite candy. Cause I wanted to know okay. what your favorite candy was. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, what my favorite candy. Yeah. Sorry. If someone were to ask you that question. Oh gosh. Um, my, I had a friend up in Canada, just send me a whole bunch of Canadian candy right now. And I was like, it's super in heaven. Um, and I was like going, Oh, cause it, it's interesting. Candy over the years have changed, has changed and American candy and Canadian candy. The chocolate content is different. Really? Um, so I'm arrow bars and coffee crisp are my like two coffee crisp. Yes. Delicious. Oh my God. And I don't um, have that in the States. Huh? I thought coffee crisp was everywhere, but I guess I was wrong so I'm here, but oh. they're not They're Obviously I think they're like imported, but it's yeah, not yeah. like something that you can get on a, re- on a regular basis. Like, okay. like the, yeah. Ketchup so chips. Kinda, I've heard as well. Ketchup chips and all dressed. I don't think are down there. Nope. They no. are not. You can get them via Amazon or oh. your lovely friends. Oh, Sorry, what fell? two seconds. My computer's doing. There we go. There you go. Had okay, some pop I up. have my to like, turn off my phone, my watch. So it stops dinging me right now. Cause it was <laughs> technology. <laughs> see blast it. Um, no, but there's uh yeah. Ketchup chips and all, all dressed. We can get down here. Ketchup. We can't. And we, we just got uh, Miss Vicky's spicy ketchup, and it's next level. Next level. Okay, I love Miss Vicky's <laughs> I'll send you so some much. No, Miss Vicky's is so good um, that I spicy order, dill I, now too. Oh, spicy dill. Yeah, I can send you some. You just give me an address, and I'll. I might, I'll you might, I might have to do that. But Miss Vicky's, I got it was a uh, it was confiscated at customs. Uh, I I bought the barbecue sauce to bring home, and it was and I forgot I had it in my carry on, uh, and I didn't pack it. And it was they were like, and it was so sad when I had to dump it in the trash right at the like oh, X ray. No. Oh, you think at least the customs guys would eat it or something? Good lord! No, <laughs> it's like also it's barbecue sauce. What are we putting in sealed barbecue sauce? But that's yeah, really. the, the times we live in right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I'm very curious learning about you, knowing that you're an actor and a producer and all these other things in the entertainment industry. I wanted to know when you sort of felt that passion to go down that avenue, because I later read that your dad was really not in favor of you and your brother going that route, and yet you both ended up in the entertainment industry. I know, um, I know. Where, so like, but I also noticed that was a little bit conflicting with the fact that you did voices on Camp Candy and you would have been really young at that time. So there was some encouragement. There was some encouragement, but I think it was also just for him to humor us in, in a little bit where he was like, um, this is hard work. See how much hard work this is. This is, this is, you know, you have to really focus. You have to know your lines. You have to do this. Cause I remember uh, when I was doing, um, I did a couple episodes of, uh, camp candy towards the end of the season. And my, I remember sitting down with my dad in my room and he was running over lines with me. And I was like, okay, this is how I'm doing the character. And he was like, no, I want you to do the character in your regular voice. Don't do a character. Don't do Valley girl. Don't do anything. Um, and I remember us having like as heated as a, a heated argument goes between a, you know, father and daughter, but I was just, we butted heads on it. Cause I was like, no, I want to do a character. And he was like, uh, uh-uh, I want you to read it normally. I was like, okay, fine. Hmm. And so then when I re- remember going into, um, uh, the office where he had his sound booth and we were doing it. And the, the director there for camp candy, she was there and she's like, okay, great. And we did it the first time. She's like, that's great. Now can you do it in a Valley girl accent? And I remember <laughs> looking at my dad going, Hmm. So I technically was right. Um, oh, but I think he was just instilling in 
mostly, which I like to do now is like be yourself and then mm. the character will come. Um, that's how I interpreted it. Good advice. But, yeah. So I didn't, I'll be honest. I think acting did terrify me. It was one of those things where I, you know, like any other person, you get nervous. I was not that type of person. I had friends that were like, let's do Broadway musicals in fifth grade. And I was like, ah, can we just play or go swimming or do something like that? And I was in plays, but I wasn't striving for the attention. I just kind of was like, oh, this is fun. Let's, you know, do this kind of stuff. I did it in high school. Mm. And then in high school, I was like, oh, I'm kind of liking this a little bit more. Um, college, I think I avoided taking acting classes for the longest time because I was like, I want to do stage uh combat. I want to do, you know, uh, lighting. I want to do directing. I want to do everything else. And, and then I'll, and then I'll do the acting because I wanted to learn everything. Um, That's smart though, really learning, learning how a film set operates and yeah. It was super helpful because then you have a respect for everyone else that's working on everything that you're, and I did plays as well, but I was, here's the other thing is like, I was, I was cast as like, you know, when I would do plays in college, it was like, okay, you're going to be, you know, the non-speaking person that has like, or two lines in the back. Yeah. And, you know, I was villager number four or something. That's essentially what it was. It yeah. was like, okay, you're going to run across stage and, you know, do this and scream. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like the character person. Um, and I did. And I, and then I did some Neil Simon plays that were so much fun. So I realized I was like, oh, comedy and farce stuff is like, my cup of tea um improv too or no i i, I, I love to yeah i know i was i always i was um i went to i went to second city in, in chicago um after college and then took classes there and i was like hey if i'm gonna learn about improv i want to learn from the best and yeah um, so I went out there and I studied and I worked at Second City and that was so much fun. And then I also realized I liked producing. So that's kind of where I was like, well, I just want to start producing. Um, so after I moved back from Chicago, some college friends, they had they were starting um, web series and I was they were kind of like, do you want to help out with this? And it was kind of I just kind of fell into this like producer role of, you know, uh, running, helping run sets and organizing stuff and scheduling and making sure, you know, everyone's fed. So it was like a surrogate mom. So that's pretty much what, you know, producing is to, to, to an extent, I didn't have to deal with like the financial aspect of it, which was great. I just did everything else. And I love, (laughs) I love doing that. And so I did that for so long and then it realized it's also very stressful. And I was like, I just want to go back to acting. I want, I want, I want people to tell me what to do. I don't necessarily want to tell people what to do. So you kind of ping-ponged a bit. I did. I ping-ponged. Um, so I, I do it all. And then everyone was like, oh, do you want to produce this? Do you want to produce this? I was like, no, but you want me to act in it? Because I'm totally fine to act in it. Um, so I would I would do that. So I'd go back and forth. So it was fun, though. Well, I got to imagine there would be so much pressure in one regard. And actually, I listened to you interviewing Jim Belushi, and he talked about his first time on Saturday Night Live after John had passed away and all that pressure was the most nervous he had ever been. So I'd imagine with your father's legacy, anytime you're acting, you felt that weight, at least at the beginning, I would imagine. Oh, totally. And I still do to this day. Still, yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no compare. There's, you know, it's like, we, my brother and I was like, there's no comparison. It's like, my da- our dad was like way up here and we're like way down here in our, in our eyes. But, um, but we're not like we, everyone, everyone's does this. Well, journey and he and was everyone... at his point lower at some point in his career too. Right. That's oh my the gosh. Thing. Totally. So it just, it just, you just have to, as long as you're loving what you're doing, um, and eventually it's the small gains, you know, yeah. and, 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 and it comes from there. So it's, it's having it, the right it, mentality about it all. It I've had a, a couple of comments about my show. You know, I think we're close to 2000 subscribers on YouTube, which to That's me great. is amazing. And, and yeah. the views we've got uh, on some episodes are really, really cool. But I had some comment from one guy once like, uh, oh, why would this guest do a show with only 1.6, whatever? And I said, you know what? Name me any channel with millions. And at one point they were a channel with a thousand. You know what I mean? Like it's all about how you choose to perceive it. Exactly. Oh, I had, there was a, there's a, a, you never read the comments, but of course you do. Um, Someone was like, their mics are, the mics are horrible. Why don't you get them fixed? I'm like, okay, it's was show number one. And it's live. Yeah. And you know what? Afterwards you realize 
oh, one of the one of the loves wasn't working. Oh, yeah. well, you kind of got to go with it. You roll the punches. It's like it's also like, duh, I'm fully aware that there's some issues. I know, right? Technical issues. Like, thank you for pointing it out. <laughs> People just like to be dicks on the Internet. That's just how it goes. Uh, you know, unfortunately. Yeah, that's um, I did hear you say, though, that pre whenever you decided to start going into acting and all that, you at one point as a child wanted to be a vet. Mm hmm. So I, I just had a fun question as to what's your favorite animal and also is and why. And also, are there any animals that you like get the creeps from or scare you? Oh, man. Favorite animal it has to be a manatee. Oh, I, cool. I like sea love cow. them. sea cows. They're just I want to go swimming with them. That's like my that's my it's on a bucket list to go go to Florida uh, there. You can swim with the manatees. And I want to be very non-threatening. Right. They're just <laughs> big float. couches yeah. almost. Exactly. So it's just I, I, manatees. I love manatees. Um, I wanted to go into as a vet, I specifically wanted to go into marine biology, um, mm. but get seasick on boats oh, and yeah, realize like that wasn't going to work out. <laughs> you know, there's so many young girls that want to be marine biologists. I remember <laughs> hearing that in elementary school. And for boys, it was like paleontologists. Yes. I want to dig up dinosaur bones. And then I was your stereotypical 80s, 90s child. Um, free Willy. So... Everybody saw Free Willy. And then that was and it. Yeah, and then that was and that was it. And totally. Um, so manatee and uh, that would be my favorite animal right now. Uh, and an animal that gives me the creeps or that you're terrified by. Like, I know I'm pretty afraid of sharks personally, but. Sharks are terrifying, but I try not to like think about them because I have, I did swim Alcatraz once and they're oh, wow. swimming underneath. And so, well, they're beautiful in one way. Like I, I respect them as a creature, but uh, the ocean in general kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. I didn't grow up near the ocean or anything. I'm in Ottawa. So. Yeah. No, it's still, it still gives me the heebie-jeebies yet. Yeah, I love going in the ocean. I just, yeah, I just wipe my brain and try not to yeah. think about it. Um, I'm, I'm your stereotypical spiders, like yeah, but ha furry, hairy spiders, oh. like, the giant Australian ones or something, the yeah, bird eating anything, ones. <laughs> anything that's fuzzy. Like we have, we've discovered um, at our place um, when we moved in within the year, we've discovered we had, um, uh, they're called jumping spiders. Oh, they're like weird. little tiny things and they're fuzzy and they weird. jump. <laughs> it's terrifying when you find them. I yeah, like, I don't like no, anything we about have to that. Move. We have to move. I don't like them. We have these little jumping ones here, but they're like a couple millimeters across. And they're like, I, when I've looked at them up close, they're like gray and white zebra sort of pattern almost. Are they know. fuzzy? I don't think so, but they do. Jump it might be the same small. type of species. Like, but cause ours are, they're red and, but I've seen the black and white ones too. Mm. But ours are fuzzy. I don't Maybe like they're related them. or something. Yeah. It could be. I just don't any, yeah. Fuzzy spiders, not my thing. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people would agree on that one. Um, I want to ask you, because obviously when I'm trying to prepare questions for someone that I know has done a lot of interviews, I want to try and come up with unique ones. So I thought this was fun in asking you, what is your most despised interview question to be asked? Are you funny? Oh God, that's a terrible question. Oh. Like <laughs> people have asked it, you that. Are you funny? Yes. They, it's either an inner, it's an interview. It's like, do you, so do you think you're funny? I've gotten it from, I've gotten it from potential agents I've gotten it from, I have gotten it from interviews where people were like, so do you, do you think you're funny? I'm like, I don't, I like, yes, but like, how do you answer what a, that? What a narcissistic thing to be the guy who's walking around. Like, I'm so hilarious. You know, I know. you are, and, yeah. but then you also have to be confident and be like, yes, I am funny. Like I, you just straight out say I am funny. It's true. Um, a big to part a of comedy is, is like owning it. It's owning it. Then you have to own it, but it throws you like the first time I was ever asked that I was kind of like, um, yes. Like I had, it was like with a question mark. I'm like, I hope I am. But then clearly, you know, well, you want to say you, you tell me at that point. You and, you that's, and then you follow up with that. It's like, you tell me, do you think I'm funny or I'm not funny? It's like, clearly it's, you know, it's comedy is subjective. So it's like, you don't have to think of clearly those agents or you didn't think I was funny because I didn't sign with them, but whatever. That's definitely a terrible question. I would never ask anyone in a million years. <laughs> Um, one thing I do want to ask you because I'm located in Ottawa and I know yeah. you've been here for crack up comedy fest and stuff, but I wanted to know if you guys ever did a family trip here when you were kids with your dad for Canada day or parliament or any of that. I did not. No, we did eh? not that I remember. Did I go, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You'd think I would remember this. No, I don't think I've been to Ottawa until 
much older when we came up for the for the first crack up comedy festival. Um, and I flew out with. Yeah, it was my, it was my brother, myself and my husband. And I just Ottawa is amazing. I just we had so much fun. Um, and I was surprised that we hadn't. Yeah, we didn't go. It was. What year is that? Like 2015, 2016 or something? Okay, hold on. No, no. I'm trying 20- to think when the first 2000, festival. 2018 is when we went. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty 18, recent. No, 18, 2017. We went 2017. And then we all went out because my mother was able to come out to the 2018 one. And that was the same year that I had my son. Um, and I just found out that I was pregnant, I think, shortly after that Ottawa trip. Wow, cool. Um, I, we actually had a kid, I guess a year before you did, it sounds like, um, so okay. I kind of want to ask you if it's not too personal, what has your parenting experience been like with like a pandemic kid? Because my other kids are 13 and 11. So they okay. had pre pandemic experiences. Whereas the little guy who was about to turn five. It's like, this is the only world he's kind of I known. Know. Uh, but I mean, I guess things are a little more open in the States or have been, Yeah, but it's still hard. It's going to be so, it's going to be so challenging, um, for these kids and they're, they're going to need all the support, I think from people from a grownups and, and it's getting them in social life. You're lucky because you have two older kids, yeah, children that, you know, so at least interaction your is there, yeah. has, has interaction and, and is, has been social, um, Ours was a little different because we have, it's just, it's just our one son and we have cousins, but the, you know, um, I think his cousin who lives out here wasn't born until he's going to be too soon. So that was just like right during the pandemic and we had friends, we kept our circle of uh, kids around his age, but it's hard because all of my, their kids are slightly older, never really anyone his age. So it's been, um, it's been challenging, but you just make, make do with the best. And like, we were look at halfway through the pandemic. I was like, we're going to the park. We're going outside. We're going to the play yeah. set. Like, this is what we have to do because he has to be, you know, we has to know what other kids look like. Yeah. How to, how to be a kid. Yeah. <laughs> how to be a kid and play and, and all that yeah. stuff. And he's, and it was challenging because he's super social. Um, and he loves going up to other people and playing with, and, and, and it's just like wanting to interact with the older kids. And, um, and in the beginning it was really hard because then you had some kids that were like, don't come near me, go away. And yeah. I was just like, Oh, it breaks it your heart. Such a mom weird that you're just like, yeah. And I get it. And I totally understand. But he was like, he would like try and get their like attention by looking at them. And it's like, hello. Yeah. What and did I do? Like, oh, I know it's yeah. not anything that you That's did. They're so they're so young and they quite can't don't understand what's what's going on. So it's hard. You're going to get, a, you know, and I was just begging for him to get into school because we didn't do any of the parent toddler classes because that was all canceled and kibosh. So we just yeah. eventually just went straight into preschool. Um but it's hard. You just have to like, you know, and, and this is their, this is their key developmental years. Exactly. And yeah. It's so a your social distancing B you're wearing masks. So for like speech development, it was like, yeah, <laughs> you have to like, I'm like pulling down my mask going, this is what we say, you know, it's, it's- and just smiling too. <laughs> like, See, we're still happy. Under I know here. <laughs> we're still happy. It's like, look at the eyes, you know? So yeah. it's, and then I also, as a, as a parent, I was like, oh, this is what the teachers look like without masks. I almost didn't recognize That's you. Or so these true. are what the kids look like without masks. And, you know, getting kids to wear masks was challenging, but finally did it. It was just hard. Man. Well, hopefully we're almost at the end tail end. Of I know. Like, and you finally. guys are a little bit. Yeah. We're still, overly still cautious. Uh, some would say, but, uh, Hey, you know what? Be overly cautious. It's yeah. I mean, my parents are in their late sixties, so I'm okay with being on that side. But even even if it wasn't the case, if I'm going to the pharmacy or something, I'm still at the point where I'm going to put a mask on just because you know people are picking up their prescriptions. They might be compromised uh, yeah, their immune totally. systems or whatever. I, it's just not that hard. I don't have a sweet stash I need to show off or something. You know, like it's I don't. Know, but that's just my take on it. No, um, I get I get it. There are certain situations where I'm like, if I see a lot of people wearing masks, I'm like, oh, I'll just throw mine on. And then if it's just me and I'm outside or in and out, I'm like going in and out of somewhere. I just, yeah, we don't have to right now. So I don't. So, but for the most part, I'm depends on the situation every time. Yeah. Totally. And just, you know, I doesn't matter if you wear a mask or don't wear a mask. It's, you know, your choice. Yeah. And there's rapid tests for parties and stuff like that, which exactly aren't fun, but, <laughs> but I'm also not going to too many parties these days. So it's like, no, exactly. 
<laughs> well, I had to take one today. I went to, um, it wasn't really a funeral, but a sort of a celebration of life thing for a friend yeah. who uh, passed away a couple of weeks ago. And I that was that. the first gathering with that many people I'd been doing quite some time. And it was very weird. Thankfully it was sort of mostly outside. Uh, Cause yeah. it was a strange, you know, situation to be in. And one guy I was talking to had just had COVID, but you know, we're at that point where we kind of, it's going to become the new flu or whatever. Yeah. And fortunately everyone's going to get it at some point. We're just, hopefully they keep getting weaker variants and all that. That's the plan. That's the key. It's just, I had COVID in January and it was not fun, but I had worse flus in years prior that I can remember where I felt like I was on death's door. Whereas COVID I felt like hung over for a week, but it wasn't unbearable, you know? A lot of friends right now that are they're they're in the thick of it, but they're like, and it's their bad head colds. They're saying, and but the thing mm-hmm. is, is they're vaccinated. So can you imagine not being vaccinated and getting this hit, the thing. getting hit hard? And my fiance is a ICU nurse, and um, so I get a lot of firsthand knowledge that keeps me from going down conspiracy rabbit holes or anything like that. Cause I'm like, yeah, no, my partner just told me that for the last, I don't know, five, six months or whatever it's been, the only people that get in the ICU with COVID are people who are anti-vaxxers, and like. It's kind of the proof is in the pudding there. Science works. <laughs> Anyways, not to go down uh, political. Uh, it's a whole know. other podcast. We can yeah. Go um, I want to ask you one thing that I'm sure you've discussed at, at length, but still it was really, really interesting to me, which was the story. Hopefully you can share with my audience of the amethyst crystal shattering when your father passed away. And, that, and yeah. for lack of a better term, that paranormal experience. And I also right. wanted to know if you had ever had any uh, you know, otherworldly experiences prior to that or after since then. But uh, yeah, just the story itself from what I gathered is pretty insane. <laughs> so I know it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome. So, so there was this ameth piece of giant piece of amethyst that my dad had gotten. Um, and it was I'm trying to, do I have any of it in here? No, not in here. This is my mom's house. So we have it somewhere, but it's in the other. Um, so it's just this giant amethyst on, on, and we had it by our fireplace at our old house growing up. And on the day that my dad passed away, it shattered into like a million pieces. Spontaneously just burst. Spontaneously That's burst. Insane. It was so bizarre. Um, and it wasn't dropped. It was on the floor by the fireplace, like next to the chair that my dad sits at normally. So, so it, was it couldn't like, have even fallen from. No, there's no way for it oh, to have weird. fallen. It was like that's so bizarre. And it was like an intact piece, so it was hollow on the inside, and you could see it open. And it was just the timing of it was was so bizarre. Um, so it shattered into like a gazillion pieces. Um, and so we kind of like all divvied up the pieces of amethyst and we we kept part of it um so that's been the only so my my i think my mom has more like how do you say not premonitions but she feels my dad more around than okay. i think i've never had that and you know i'd love to have that gift but i just don't doesn't happen to everyone yeah no i'm just i part of me is like oh i i'd love to you know it's like oh do you have dreams i was like yeah i have dreams but never like it took me a while to get dreams of my dad um but it was like those type of like memory dreams as opposed to they were like we came in a dream and had a conversation about modern day right now um Mm. i've never had that i've had people which is fine and i and i totally and hey i don't I'm up for anything. Um, I've had people reach out to me being, Oh, your, your father came to me in a, uh, in a, in a dream or I had, they, they, uh, I was having a, um, intuitive moment or whatever. And they t- wanted me to tell you this. And, and part of me is like, Oh, that's great. But then I'm also like, well, why not just come straight to me? Like, yeah, really. Why, well, is why go people, to- are you talking about people that knew your father or just like fans? Fans. Oh like, yeah. That's a little bit into it. Like people who are, um, they have that this some people who have that gift that supposedly can talk Channel, to or have yeah. you know conversations with uh and i know people who are like that and uh 
But there's like random people that are like, oh, so-and-so from New Jersey is reaching out and saying, and I was like, oh, and so I'm always, I'm very, I'm very open to it. I'm never like shutting anyone down from that. I was like, oh, that's great. But then part of me is also like, well, why not just come directly to me? Like there. Yeah. But I get why you have patience with it because it's endearing in the sense that they're it's totally, you know, they want endearing. this connection with your father and, and right. And I, and I get it. And I think, and, and for the most part, for all I know, they are, could be a hundred percent truthful about it. I don't know because I've never really experienced anything like that. I know yeah. the amethyst. Um, well, that's I a little more real world. The amethyst is like, okay, we've got something tangible here. Tangible. Like, well, this is crazy. Yeah. The only, the only time, and it's never about anyone. The only time I've had like a weird intuitive thought was I, it was the 94 earthquake and I was, my dad and I were supposed to be going up to, to, he was supposed to shoot little rascals. He was going to be in that movie and we were oh, going to wow. go up to a day in Valencia. And for some reason, the day before they rescheduled him. So he didn't have to go into work. And so I went and had a sleepover with a friend of mine. And as I was packing my bag for a sleepover, I packed a flashlight, bottle of water and a small radio. Never do that. Just randomly. That night was the big earthquake, the 1994 earthquake. <laughs> and the bridge in Valencia to get to Valencia collapsed Whoa. at that morning that we specifically were going to be driving up there. And when I was at my friend's house, I randomly was like, I have a flashlight. I have this. I have that. And everyone they were laughing. And we still teach to this day going, I'm the most prepared person. I was like, it's only happened once. Never, never have I predicted an earthquake ever again. Yeah, it's very it Boy just, Scout move to have all the gear was, ready. <laughs> it was so bizarre. And I was like, oh, well, there you go. I know. I, That's that yeah, that my, intuition. My one and only moment where I was like, you know what? Something, something weird's going to happen. Like I have we, things like that, but. Well, I mean, it could have been something in your brain, though, because they say like animals can sense uh, natural yeah. disasters impending and stuff like that. So you never know. It was you a big one. It was, oh, God, I hated that earthquake. That was not fun. I can only imagine the biggest one I've ever experienced. I, again, I'm in Ottawa. We had one that was right. like five point something. Uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And I, I felt it. The, the lights at the mall went out. But, you know, yeah. it wasn't huge or anything. I know, but they're still, they're still, they're still jarring where you're like, and it scares me also like to hear that they're happening like in Ottawa where I don't know, the buildings aren't built for earthquakes. No, it's I'm like, sure there was some structural damage. Yeah. You know, LA, we specifically have, you know, there's certain mandates and you have to like requirements now for like buildings that they have to sway. They have to do this mm. rollers. It's like crazy. I guess it makes sense. I just never thought of that. Wow. Yeah. The, if you look at the architecture of like buildings that are now like everywhere in California has to be if uh, I think it was a building. I don't know the exact dates, um, but older buildings now have to be retrofitted specifically for earthquakes now. So if it was like built at earlier than the 80s, it has to be all retrofitted. So it's like all so that it doesn't collapse. So there it's hmm. it's, it's insane. It's an interesting it's an interesting field to go into. Yeah, I'm learning lots of stuff from you today. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, well, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you some questions about your dad, but I'll try and keep them interesting. Um, first, I saw that they now have John Candy Day in Toronto, which is super cool on your yeah. dad's birthday, uh, yeah. which is October 31st, for those that don't know. But that prompted me to want to ask you if he was a big Halloween guy. You know what? 50 50. Um, so it was Halloween. My dad was born on Halloween. My grandma always said he was born in a pumpkin patch. Uh, and then unfortunately, they also uh, my grandfather passed away a couple days prior to then and was always and then the funeral was on my dad's birthday. Oh, brutal. So it brings up a, it brought up a lot of emotion um, that was never dealt with. Um, but you could kind of, it was like a sadness with his birthday. Mm. So as kids, we loved Halloween. And so for that, he loved Halloween. He loved decorating the house. He loved, you know, um, handing out candy. Uh, and we would get like Halloween themed cakes for him. And it was, it's, it, we, we made it fun. And so for that, he did like his birthday, but I know that there was, there was some, and I don't think we realized this until we were much older that we were like, Oh wait, what? The funeral yeah. was, it was on. like bittersweet a little bit. Yeah. I was like, who would do that? And then I, I, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> still to this day, I don't understand why I make 
that's I assumed he was a Halloween guy because I've seen the photo shoots of him as like a rabbit and yeah. uh, a lot of ones. And he did uh, one like Boy George. Yeah. And that was all for us. That was for the Boy George was for SCTV. And then um, and the rabbit was for a Muppet Show magazine thing. So here's the thing. As an actor, you dress up. 364 days of the year. So on Halloween, he probably was like, <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> give me a break. Um, so we would always try and find costumes. So he never, like when we were really little, he dressed up. And then I think it got more like, he's like, I'll put on a funny mask or I'll do this. Or he, I think he liked dressing up the house, but he was like, I just want to be comfortable. Yeah. And candy. <laughs> it's my birthday. Leave me alone. Yeah, it's yeah. my birthday. I don't need to dress up. I dress up for work for a living. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was also really curious about if he ever auditioned for SNL or was requested by Lauren to become a cast member because he seemed like he would have fit in so perfectly. And I actually watched um, the Second City comedy show from 79 that your dad was hosting where Fred Willard is kind of like roasting him about, right. oh, did they ever ask you to host? And sure enough, he, he went on to host in 83. But I've always been surprised that he was never one of the primetime players. Yeah, no, he wasn't. It was I don't I honestly don't know the story. The the the, the there was. He was always asked to host, but then he always got bumped. Um, oh, so I think, I I think that, yeah. it, there was something to that. And to be honest, I think he was doing SCTV and that was his priority. Um, so people either went SNL or SCTV. He stayed with SCTV. And then when he hit his, when he had his prime at SCTV, he was ready to do film. So mm. I think there was no need for the, the SNL component in his career at that time because he yeah. had already been been doing something like that um for so long with a great group of with a great group of people not to say that the other people weren't great as well um i just no, think they do was, the same thing on snl though like where eventually after x amount of years you try to make a film career and yeah and i think snl is i think there's two also types of people that go like snl is a little too um Too not family oriented. SCTV mm. was very family oriented. All the people from SCTV edgier, yeah. had family, had kids. Um, you know, uh, priorities were a little. You know, that's what they. That's how we're in SNL. Was kind of like, oh, we're young, we're single, let's party. Mm. Um, and that's. I don't think my dad was ready. He was like, eh, I've done that. I don't need to continue doing that. Yeah, that's fair. I, I was actually equally curious. It always seemed like Dan Aykroyd would have been such a good fit for SCTV too. It seemed like. I know. And he, did he ever do a couple episodes? I can't remember. No, I think, and I think just, but then it's also, you're either a New York person or you're not a New York person. True, and I, yeah. think, I think my dad wanted to go LA bound. So he went, he went to the West coast. So that was his, his priority. I, I don't think he had any desire to really, to, he visited New York. He, he, he likes New York. We, we did family vacations to New York, but I think, I think ultimately like the West coast was his, was his comfort zone. Hey, the weather's way better. <laughs> um, I actually loved a skit that I saw too, which I think I saw as a kid, but Jim Belushi again, and your dad and the whole payphone confessional to me, yes. like one of the funniest things, it's just so absurd of a concept. I love that. It's so oh, funny. It's such a good, the good, that's a good sketch. I know. And the sketches that he did do on SNL were hysterical and he loved and uh, look, Jim Belushi loved when he was, when he was on because they were doing sketches together. And that was like, they were, they were, they were, uh, you know, another set of brothers. Yeah. Well, the other reason I guess I asked was because there was that crossover from Martin Short as well, right? He did yeah. both. So, yeah, he did both too. But Marty loves New York. Like New York is he, and oh, he's also, he? L he's LA, he, he's LA based as well. But he's, look, he's doing um, Only Murders in the Building right now. And he's like, New York has always been his thing. Broadway, mm. he just, New York is, he thrives in New York. He seems like such a nice guy. <laughs> Every he's, time I see him, he seems very intelligent and very like thoughtful. Yeah, he is. Um, so I actually wanted to ask also, because your dad co-owned the Argonauts yep. uh, CFL with Gretzky, right? Yep. Okay, so yep. that's what came up with this question, because Gretzky is obviously 99. I wanted to know if your dad had a number that was significant to him in that way. Maybe not uh, like a sports number necessarily, but something that he would have said was his number. I always thought double zero, I think, was his number. Was oh, that? That's like a goalie number, usually. I know. Um Double zero. I want to feel, I feel like that was on, 
the jersey. Correct me if I'm wrong, fans out there. I think um, the jersey that they honored him with after he passed away for the Argonauts, I think it was double zero. Um, and I am horrible and do not remember what his football number was. Uh, and a lot of his Neil McNeil family will know what his number was because I don't remember. The info's out there somewhere. Okay, it's fair somewhere. enough. Um, I also thought it would be fun if you could envision a character that might have been perfect for him uh, as part of the Shit's Creek universe. Oh, Just sort of ad lib. I don't know if you're up for it. A little improv. But how do you think he could have fit into that world? Because I, I feel like he definitely would have been on it. <laughs> He so would have. And. Oh, man, I don't know. I think because that show is so perfect, mm -hmm. it's hard to envision that. To inject um, someone new, yeah. To add someone new because you, yeah. you're going, oh, he'd be a great mayor. But I was like, no, Chris Elliott is the best mayor. <laughs> like that's hands down. You can't. Once oh my God, you, he's so funny. And I feel like you say like by saying, oh, he would have been part of it, but also he knows when something's so perfect that he will take himself out of it. Mm. It's like when he was asked to do um, Ghostbusters, he was going to play Rick Moranis's character. Oh, um, interesting. But he bowed out because he was like, no, this is not right. I'm not right for this character. Um, okay. But he, and I, I think he recommended Rick and then Rick went in and he would like, you can't envision anyone else other than Rick Moranis. So I yeah. feel like that's how, uh, that's how our dad would be with Shit's Creek. I think he would see the casting and seeing that it's so perfect as is that he wouldn't, wouldn't touch leave it. it alone. Okay. Interesting. Not the answer I was expecting. Um, I wanted to ask you because I'm sure you've been asked a million times, Oh, what's your favorite film that your dad did or his, your favorite role of his. I wanted to ask you, what is, your favorite interview that you've ever seen of your father? Because mm. I know what mine is or one of them for sure that I'll tell you afterwards, but. That's a tough one. I think there, what is it? The Letterman show. There was one where he's, where he's fixing lights. He's like <laughs> on a, he's on a, he's on a ladder backstage fixing a light bulb. And then he was like, oh, and then it was time to do the interview. And so but it was just <laughs> I, haven't a seen that one. I feel like that was Letterman, like in the 80s. Yeah, that seems Others. like a Letterman bit. It seems like a Letterman bit. So I liked the ones like that one. Like breaking the fourth wall a bit. That was like, he's the ladder. And then it was just fixing, fixing light bulb. That, yeah, it wasn't per se the interview, but it was part of the interview. No, I like that fourth wall break. Um, I, I just saw an interview I really liked, though, um, with one of my favorite hosts of all time, which is Dick Cavett. Oh, and I, at the end of it, it was so just such a nice moment because they're both just gushing over how much they like each other. And yes. your dad, of course, is like, come on, you know, you've, you've interviewed Hendrix and all these amazing people. But yeah. you could tell Dick Cavett was just as warm and happy to be in that room with your father. So, yeah. I don't know. That to me is probably the favorite one I've seen. But the weirdest thing was that the interview I saw on YouTube, this one I'm talking about, was clearly recorded from someone's like VHS uh, right. back yeah. when it originally aired in, I want to say, the 90s. Mm -hmm. And right after it cut to a commercial for I don't remember what, but it was Chris Elliott. And I was like, wow, weird <laughs> sort of so connection there. Wonder if it was from his TV show. Was it back then? I don't know. But yeah. Oh, God. I oh, no, it. I think it was a commercial for like a commercial. company or something. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was just weird. That's great. Yeah, he's so funny. Oh, my God. On How I Met Your Mother, I really liked him, too. Yeah. Um, I did read a thing saying that your dad only made like less than 500 bucks for Home Alone. That sounds about right. <laughs> what? <laughs> How does that happen? Like, that's one of the funniest characters in the whole movie. I know. Um, he he because of, it was for john hughes and john hughes was like hey you know um i i want to have you in on this movie and my dad was like oh i've only got a small window and it was i think there was like there there was another there was a contract where he was able to get stuff on the back end but like for the most part like he wasn't he was he didn't do it for the money he did it for the um for the experience and for for people he liked that's fair. Oh, just doing a favor. Right on. Right. There's actually I think that's the scene. Uh, I might get this wrong, but there's a part where he's up at the the kiosk, the desk for the right. airport. Yeah. And there was like this theory, this legend that there's a guy in the background that was Elvis. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Wait, I and have. It, I, I think it's I did total bullshit. It. It's not real. But I yeah. always thought that was kind of hilarious that that was like this urban legend or whatever. <laughs> Yes, I know. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm envisioning it right now. I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Elvis, but yeah, you know, yeah, I'm pretty sure was... as well. But 
It kind of looked like him. I'll give it that. Right. They probably uh, dressed someone up. They'll look like Elvis and put him back there. But yeah, it wasn't really. Elvis. Yeah, there was a resemblance. But yes. Um, well, I don't want to take too much of your time. And I will ask you the question. I'm going to have to pivot a bit here because the question this season I've been asking everyone is, what did you want to be growing up? And we kind of already touched on that or sort of what would your dream job be if you weren't doing what you do for a living? So I'm going to preview to what I think I'm going to use next season, which is what's the worst job you've ever had? Oh, worst? we've all had some shit jobs. <laughs> we did have shit jobs. I'm trying to think. I always loved the jobs that I did. I'm trying to think. I used to work at Disneyland. I loved working at Disneyland. Um, oh man, shit job. I don't, if you liked them all, then that's, I that's liked them awesome. all. That's the thing is, is I chose jobs that I knew I was going to like now. Yeah. I've yeah, done Disneyland I've, is pretty sweet. <laughs> I enjoyed working at Disneyland. I, flipping yeah, burgers. I know, but even, I think every job you, you, yeah, there are some jobs out there that are, that are, that are, that are awful jobs. Um, the people can I, really make it, though. If you've got a good like crew, even if your job sucks, you can kind of make the best of it. Exactly. And I think that's per se what it is. Look, Disneyland, when I worked at Disneyland, I worked in like um, the retail aspect of it. It paid nothing. It was the worst paying job I have ever had. Um, I was like, really? This is how much this is. How, it was like, I don't know, five dollars. Like it was so it was like, really? This is OK. Um, and then you add it on. So I'll say what the worst paying job is probably Disney. Um, but then you're, you're waving to goofy every morning. So it's kind of like, <laughs> and, but the experience was so great. And the people I worked with was so great that it was just, I, I, I loved it. And I think it doesn't matter. And you do what you have to do. Like, you know, if you need to be making money, you'll find, you'll do anything to just kind of like to, to, to build up, to get those raises, to work hard, to get you to the, to the next level and stuff like that. Um, so all the jobs that I, that I've always gravitated to, I always ended up having a great group of people. So I don't like, I look, I worked at Lululemon. I worked at Disneyland. I worked for an interior designer. Um, so I did a lot of fun jobs, but none of them really. Isn't it interesting how like a good crew can elevate a shit job in the same way that a great job can be ruined by a terrible boss. Totally. Like, like hands down. I loved, I loved working at Lululemon because I love the people I worked with. And then at the end of the day, I'm just selling stretchy pants, like really yeah. overpriced stretchy pants. Yeah. And it was like, this is awful. Like I, and let's be honest, maybe that was probably my, not my worst, but it was like ugh, selling stretchy pants to, you know, High end I, yoga I could see how that would get tired real quick. It yeah. got it got tiring because and then I think I also knew, you know, because it was just, you know, you're selling stretchy pants when the quality has gone downhill when I was selling them. I was like, wait a second. I used to love this company. And then all of a sudden I was like, Meh. yeah, we're still your charging a hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh, man. But a great group of people. I saw I still have some of my friends that I worked with there and it was just like. And I worked at it for so long. I couldn't, I didn't leave because I loved, I loved working there. I loved working with the people. Um, and I probably should have left. So. <laughs> well, thank you. Those, those are interesting examples. And thank you so much for chatting with me. This was a blast. Oh, I love it. A great, you're a great host. And I, the, the podcast is amazing. And so and best of luck to everything. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Don't be a stranger. If you want any of those Miss Vicky's chips, then just hit me up. I know. Send some down. I might do that. I'm on a chip break for right now after this last batch of Canadian goods that I got. I was like, oh my gosh, overload, but it was delicious. Maybe. Yeah. Give it a few months. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, virtual high five and uh, high five. take it easy. You too. Take I care. hope to see more couch candy. Yes, it will be in, in the future, I promise. Okay. Okay, take Thank care. Thank you so much again. Bye. Bye.